Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. This week, it's episode 33. And me and Joe, we're pretty old. We're old guys in, in an old guy sport. And it's really cool whenever we get to talk to one of the new young up-and-coming runners. And Ryan Montgomery is one of those guys. Ryan's 26 years old and has accumulated quite a resume early in his career. Uh, Browse was banned 100 mile. He was a sub-13 hour guy. And that was only last year or I guess 2019. He ran 12 hours and 59 minutes, Bandera 100K. He got fourth place there in eight, eight hours and 35 minutes. And just at the desert solstice uh, 24 hour, uh, his 100 mile split, which was a really impressive 13 hours and 35 minutes on, on route to running 154.71 miles and putting him on the US 24 hour national team that was supposed to be competing in um, Romania in, I think it was May, and now it's been pushed back to October and maybe might even be pushed back due to the pandemic and on and so forth. You know, most 26 year olds, I, I know they're, they're still in the basements of their, their parents and they're playing video games. Ryan wakes up in the morning, he eats a hundred mile race and at lunch, he has a hundred K race. And then, then, you know, for dinner, he has a 50 mile race. You know, I love youth and I love when these younger people can end up wrapping something beautiful and spectacular like an ultra marathon up in a nice bow and presenting it to the world. So without further ado, Ryan Montgomery, welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the intro. Yeah. Hey, it's great to have you here, Ryan. I, uh, I think maybe when I was 26, I might have run a, I think I was running five Ks then, you know, and 10K seemed like an, an extraordinary distance. But, you know, it's sort of a little bit of, I, I, we never really have talked about like my mediocre high school running experience, but I was running the, like the 440 relay, you know, so I was like this little tiny kid running fast, not fast enough to do too much, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of community around longer distances. You know, you might hear about someone who ran a marathon, but it was just not in the, the common community that we lived up and grew up in. And so I do think it's different, but interesting, Ryan, maybe give us a little bit, you know, when, when did you start running? Were you a high schooler? Did you run in college? Or uh, because you found it fast, it could be because it's a little more visible, but also it could be that you were hanging out with different people. So yeah, tell us your story a little bit. Yeah, I can definitely give you some background of how I got into the sport of ultra running, because like you said, it is not like always like in everyone's face all the time, like marathoning or cross country running, for example. Um, but that's the point, like ultra running is becoming more popular. There's more representation, more athletes in this sport. So it is growing. Um, but so a little bit about me and my running background, I ran cross country in middle school and high school, and I was like a decent runner. Uh, I think my PR in the 5k in high school was like in the low 16s. So nice. like pretty solid, but not, not fast enough to like run collegiately or anything like that. But actually, when I was a sophomore in high school, I got introduced to this nonprofit called 
impossible number two possible. And oh, it's yeah. founded by, it's uh, founded by a well-known ultra runner um, and motivational speaker, Ray Zahab. Um, yeah. He actually yeah, lives we, in Canada, sorry, Dave. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. We had Ray on the show a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hear about yeah, yeah. Great guy. Absolutely. That's so yeah. funny. It's yeah. Yeah. So I love Ray. He is, he is like, was my gateway to this crazy sport of like, of amazingness. <laughs> and so I was invited to one of his expeditions when I was 15, 16 years old. And so here's me, like, I've only ran like a half marathon in distance prior to this. And I all of a sudden got flown to the Altiplano in Bolivia, 12,000 feet elevation. And then my expectation was for me to run a hundred plus miles over the course of about five days. Wow. And and then part of this expedition team was a bunch of ultra runners um, and Ray Zahab, obviously. And so I got to hear these stories of people running bad water, Ray running across the Sahara. And I was like, what is up with these people? Like, how can the body do this? Yeah. And when I ran that expedition across Bolivia, I learned so much about my body. Uh, my body adapted to the stress uh, my body got used to like running every single day. It started out sore and it got better as I continued. And I realized like how much we underutilize our body, um, how much more capable our body is mm -hmm. than we give it self credit for. Um, and so hearing those stories and then experiencing it for myself, I committed back when I was 16 back then that I wanted to do ultra running. So here I am today, fast forward another 10 years and now I'm doing these crazy ultra marathons. <laughs> yeah. So I know like Bolivia that, you know, when you were doing that distance over that period of time, you know, it, it, that was more of a, um, an adventure, more of a, you know, a, mm -hmm. a track. Um, when was your first, when did you sign up for your first ultra marathon? You know, any, you know meaning a, a, a race over a marathon. Yeah. So my first one was in, uh, so I signed up in 2015 and I ran to the Antelope Canyon uh, race in Page, Arizona, a 50 mile race. And that was in February, 2016. So prior to that, I've only run a marathon and, um, decided to run a 50 mile then. Just, and it actually went pretty well. I got third and I think my time was around seven hours and like 45 minutes. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a good experience. And in that race in particular, I learned how much electrolytes are important for your body. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just like anyone that starts running uh, any distance, you have to learn how to fuel and nutrition, obviously. All right. So, so just, we got to just wind this back a little. So you, you run in high school, you're mm -hmm. you have speed, 5k, it's a good speed, you know, uh, I don't know if you went to college or not, but uh, you know, then you're in your 20s, you do one marathon, mm. next thing you're going to do is a 50 mile race. Did you get some indication here that at longer distances, you could stay fast enough that you would be competitive? Like, I don't know if many people show up their first 50 miler and run, come in third place. Was there some indication? Yeah, I, I, I really didn't think about speed and I didn't really think about um, like podium at any races. Uh, I, I, I didn't really have great training going into this, but I was like a consistent executor in long runs. Like I would always be consistent with like running 20 mile runs and training. 
and just try to be as consistent as possible. And so when I started ultra running, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had no idea if the body could even go to 50 miles, like what would happen to me. And so I really went into this blind. Um, um, and, and I think, and, and I think that's probably what made me sign up for that race is because I had heard about these ultra marathons many years prior and I just wanted to experience it. I wanted to see what it was all about. I wanted to see what, it, what, what would happen to me and what that experience would be. So that's ultimately like what happened, but I went in there with no expectations at all. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like just, you know, make a couple comparisons and things. And what, what I love about youth, Joe, is that, you know, like I, I became a father when I was 25 years old. Hmm. And, you know, I think that sometimes in, you know, if you're a 35 year old or a 45 year old wanting to become a first time father or, or mother, you know, that's wonderful. But, you know, when you're younger, yeah, you, you sometimes just jump into things. You're like, well, this is what you're doing. You know, this is how you, so, you know, you don't know any better than to do midnight feedings and to have to do this and this and same type of thing as ultra marathons. And now, of course, you know, two very different things, you know, parenting versus racing. But, you know, do you, do you think that maybe, you know, youth was at your advantage? You're like, you know, you were feeling a certain way at 40 miles into that race. You're like, well, I guess this is what happens. And then let's just roll with the punches instead of overanalyzing. That's what happens when you're in your 30s and 40s and mm -hmm. 50s. Do you think that that was maybe a, a, a bit of a benefit? Yeah, totally. Um, because I think sometimes when you like overanalyze things, sometimes you'll like talk yourself out of those experiences um, and those events. And so I think something that's helped me too is um, just going into some of these experiences and these events with expectation that this is going to be a learning experience for me. I want to know what this is about and just really soak in all of those learning experiences. I think when I was growing up in like high school and early college, I missed out on a lot of experiences. Um, and so I think ultra running was my, my medium of like experiencing all these emotions that like I perhaps wasn't able to have pre previously in my life and exploring like these nooks and crannies of like my mind and my body. Um, mm. So yeah, I think that was definitely like the approach I took and kind of like how I've approached like my life too, where you just have to go into these experiences and just know that I'm going to learn from this, whether it's good or bad. Um, let's, let's go do it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I'd love to jump in a little bit on sort of the support system in the community. You know, we'll, we'll keep making fun of our age today, even though we won't reveal <laughs> any of it. But, but when I started on sort of my journey, you know, I had no one to talk to. And, you know, we won't say the mm -hmm. internet didn't exist, but it wasn't like it is today. And so what you could do is subscribe to a magazine and you desperately wait for the next issue. And you like, I always tell people the funniest thing, you know, I started as a cyclist and became Ironman athlete and ultra runner, but I didn't know you weren't supposed to wear your underwear underneath your bike shorts. Like, how would you know that innately? You don't like you always wear, I think at least most people wear underwear, like, so you do that. And so you make your mistakes and then little by little, you hope to meet some people who can accelerate a bit of your learning, but you can just learn it by, mm -hmm. you know, one year I decided I was before triathlete, I was doing biathlons. I did 10 one summer, every weekend. You know, like figure if I did one every weekend, I would just get better at, you know, the run, bike, run. And, <clears throat> but so my question is, you know, so you jump into this a few years ago, 
do you have access to a community of people who were helping you learn and grow? Or have you been doing my technique, which is just sort of like, what the heck, I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's funny you say that because I just got into cycling last year um, and I definitely have my fair share of uh, newbie cycling uh, mistakes too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the time when I started getting into ultra running, I was living in Utah because I went to school at Brigham Young University. And there's a really good community in Utah called the Wasatch Wranglers. And one of the main guys that runs that account in that community, his name's Francesco. And he like really was like my main contact of someone that was in this world of ultra running in Utah. Um, and he really liked helped me get to know a couple people, learn a couple things. But I would say uh, my approach to learning specifically like race strategy, um, nutrition, really came from just showing up at these races and learning. And that first 50 miler that I mentioned, um, I didn't know like what type of gear to use. So I had the same pack that I2P, Impossible to Possible gave me for the expedition. It was some like Nathan pouch with like a bladder in the back. And so like every aid station, I like pull off the pack, open up the bladder, filled it up with Gatorade. Close. So it's like, it took a long time, right? Until I looked at other racers and realized like, oh, they have handheld bottles and it takes them a matter of 20 seconds to fill up and then they're going again. So I think for me, my approach is obviously get to know people, find a community, learn from them, ask questions. But for me, it's been like, you just show up and you learn these experiences through trial and error. And that was definitely like kind of my approach into ultra running too. Nice. Yeah. And, and ultimately you pay attention, right? Um, you know, yeah. it's, it, and a lot of it's not rocket science, although that's what Bob Hearn ended up telling us last week. And I realized that he's a rocket scientist. So no, he's not, he's, but he's got his PhD and you know, close. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think that, Oh, are there, is there anybody in the, in the running community right now that you've been heavily leading upon you even at desert solstice? I mean, you know, you look at how many incredible runners there are there and the resumes that they have that, you know, you, you would just only hope to, to have one day, you know, half of what they're doing. You know, anybody that you're looping the track with and, and just chatting for an hour about the use of, um, you know, fat-based product uh, foods versus carbo uh, carbohydrate uh, foods and or any, any interesting conversations or anybody that you leaned on heavily in races like that? Yeah, a, a lot of people actually. Um, and I think this is the thing that I would counsel people is just reach out to people. Like if you are intimidated by reaching out to this a professional runner that has a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, like reach out. Like I've reached out to so many different people in my journey in racing and negotiating contracts. And it's been instrumental in like my success. Um, so like, for example, Zach Bitters, like he's a very well accomplished long distance runner. And I know I, I talked to him um, before and after the race when I was negotiating my um, new ultra contract because um, he runs for ultra and I asked him like, what is it like working with ultra? Like, what, are your, what is your take? Um, um, another big person that's been instrumental in like helping me with racing is my running coach, um, Anna Mae Flynn. She's a pretty accomplished, like, it's funny, I say middle ultra distance, but uh, it's still pretty long. She, she specializes in the 50K to like uh, 50 mile distance, but she's my personal coach and also business partner. I coach with her. Uh, under the same LLC. And 
she's been like instrumental in my like growth in the sport and trajectory as well. Mm. I mean, like I can name tons of people um, that I've talked to over the past couple of years, but I think the biggest thing is like, I wanted to learn so much and like what better way to learn than to talk to these people. And mm. I, I think that's the cool thing I've learned about people in our sport in endurance athletics is that we want to all help each other and we want to support each other. So if you reach out to them, like more than likely people will connect with you and be more than willing to like jump on a call to help you ask questions. I know I've done that with a ton of people, whether they're athletes or non-athletes that I coach um, because I know that's how I've learned. And so I hope that I can do that for other people too. Yeah. There is this intuitive piece that we pick up on and then there's the, community if nothing else even sometimes just the support you get out of the community is great you know mm-hmm. uh cheering each other we had courtney on you know she kept talking about the story where you know she fell in a race some guy comes back and helps her off and you know no one's too worried about you know their own moment they're more worried about helping each other and i do think we yeah. see that uh it's it's competitive but it's not sort of destructive. And I think that we're happy if someone else wins, if we couldn't win, but we're also happy to just sort of run with each other for a while because it goes on for a while. And, you know, I mean, Dave's done the backyard format uh, mm-hmm. and I think more friends have been made in the backyard format of ultra running than probably any other races of our sport. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's important. And it's nice to hear that you're sort of sharing that as well, you know, just picking up a training plan off the internet's nice, but having someone be able to give you some feedbacks even better. So then yeah. has that helped you figure out sort of some of the pathway? Like, cause it's interesting. You went pretty quickly from 50 K to the 24 hour distance. And for everyone listening, desert solstice is a 24 hour race around a track and uh, run every year. And it's one of the, I guess the icons of the 24 hour scene if you're trying to make a team or set your record. Uh, so that's why with Dave saying people show up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Camille has been there. Everyone's Well, I think there. it's an invitational. I think it's only 30 runners, I think, or 25 mm-hmm. runners. It's a pretty small field just so that you don't have to loop around the outside of too many people. And, and yeah, it, you know, it's, if you want to make the American team, that's where you go. It's the fastest race in North America, I think. Mm-hmm. So have you, like, have you been, along the way with a plan or is it just sort of like, Oh, I want to pick the next race. Um, I think 2020 was uh, for various obvious reasons, uh, challenging in terms of like what I wanted to do and accomplish because last year I had planned to, uh, run Western States and UTMB and kind of perform at those races. Um, but the 24 hour race actually wasn't part of my plan. Um, but when the pandemic hit, I, I, I had to like readjust a lot of those plans. And prior to me signing up for desert solstice, um, I had experience of running beyond um, 100 miles. So <laughs> when I was a very non-competent ultra runner, <laughs> I ran, um, somehow they let me into Badwater as like one of the youngest competitors for that year when I was like 24, which in itself was a, a crazy experience. Um, so I know that I could run 135 miles. And then in 2019, I also ran the Tahoe 200 miler, 
um, which is a 205 miles. And so having done that, I realized, okay, I think I can do 24 hours. I know it's going to be a different format because essentially you don't stop the entire time and you just like progressively like um, break down your body in a 24 hour race. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought it would be like a new, a new challenge for me, a new experience, something that I've never experienced before because I timed race too, right? That's different. Yeah. Than and the finish line, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm just, again, all about trying all the different things in our sport. And so that's ultimately what led me to, to sign up for it. Yeah. So let's pull it back a little bit to, yeah. to, to bad water because, you know, bad water is a race that eats its young. You know, it, it just, it chews people up and spits them out. And, you know, I almost think it would be almost like a sacrificial lamb throwing a, somebody in their early 20s out there, you know, and saying, ah, let's see how this goes. So, so tell us about that race. How did that go? <laughs> well, I remember, so we all know Harvey Lewis. He's like a very icon in our, in our yeah. sport. And I remember uh, at like mile 17, uh, so you start, by the way, at Badwater, you start at night and you start from Badwater Basin and you're running to Mount Whitney Portal, which is uh, 135 miles away. You cross about two mountain passes. And so here I am at like mile 17, Harvey Lewis is coming behind me. We're like running together and I'm just feeling like a hundred bucks. Like I'm just feeling amazing. And he's, <laughs> he probably was thinking like, who is this kid? He has no idea what he's doing. And he's like, he counsels me. He's like, Hey, like, I think you might be going a little fast. Like, just like, keep it down. We have a long two days ahead of us. Yeah. Um, and that was like a very humbling experience because I had never experienced foremost a road ultra marathon running in that heat, which by the way, when I started at 9 PM, it was like 120 degrees. And it was just humbling because at mile 40, like my legs just got so stiff and sore that I had to like do a run shuffle, like the entire race. Um, mm -hmm. And I definitely like was underprepared in terms of training, but I'm grateful for that experience because like, how do you learn if you don't sometimes right. through trial and error. So I'm grateful that they let me in. Um, not sure why, <laughs> why they let me in, but I'm really grateful I did because I was able to like go through that experience finish. And I took a lot away from that, which I think feeds into my, um, my racing today. Was that the year Don Reichelt raced as well? You know, Don, what was that? Don Reichelt raced, uh, was it, he did it in 18, I think. Uh, he came in third place that year. I can't remember if it was 18 or 19 that he raced. Yeah, that was the year I ran it, 2018. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, so you you did bad water. You finished, clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you also just sort of threw out there that you were going to go out to UTMB and Western States last year. So you did get enough points to qualify for UTMB. So you mm -hmm. must have been doing quite yep. a few races to do that and get all your points. Uh, and then how, yeah. how were you into uh, Western States? What was your entry point there? So actually, uh, Western States came through uh, one of my sponsors, which is Sunto, the watch. Um, yeah. And they actually had a sponsor spot. And so I was able to secure that spot from, from Sunto. And then UTMB, which uh, came from the various races that I ran. Uh, you know, oh. Kelly Young? She was, uh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Kelly. He was on the pike. So almost everyone 
that you will know has sort of been on our podcast. We had Harvey on, we had Don, mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. Kelly was on. Uh, and because uh, she was connected with Sunto, I think she might have been sponsored for a while by Sunto. I don't know if she still is. But uh, mm-hmm. so, so now you're thinking Western states for 2021? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I think as I've learned more about races that I really like and like what type of terrain and style of ultra running in our sport, I really like it all. Like I love the flats and I love the fasts and I love the mountains. And I think last year was a good testament to that where I ran the unsupported um, Wonderland FKT um, and got that last year on top of like running some of these flat races like desert solstice. And I feel like I've learned that my body responds to both of them really well. So that's why I'm really excited for this year at Western States, which is incredibly fast. And while still hilly, it is like flat in terms of like the ultra world and then UTMB, which is like the, mountains on the mountains on the mountains of our of our sport so i'm excited to see how i perform in both and so it sounds like you're dabbling a bit sounds like you're 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 kind of you're interested in everything but also you know finding your stride and exactly what what you do what you do best at you're doing well at everything but 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 what you do best are we any any thoughts of like being five years where do you think you're gonna land yeah um i think i at the beginning of our podcast, or maybe it's before we were recording, you mentioned how there's like a lot of these young guys and they're not necessarily in like the hundred mile distance yet. And they're quite fast and they're really excelling. Um, and I think that's like my sweet spot is like, I'm still quite young and I still have some speed, um, but I really like the longer stuff. And, and so I hope in five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, that I'm still doing these longer distances. I love like the hundred mile plus distance. Um, and so I just hope to continue to get better at this, continue to show up, um, get faster and faster, go farther and farther. And I guess we'll see, see where it ends up. And I, I mean, there's so many different race formats that I want to explore. Like I know Dave, you're going to run um, the backyard this next year, Big's backyard. Yeah, and I would love to try something like that. Um, maybe do like 45 or 48 hour, maybe like down the road, do like the dinner rod, something crazy like that. So I'm just like, I'm very open-minded. I want to, I want to try it all. I want to experience it all. So this coming weekend, uh, we have Walmsley's uh, 100 mm-hmm. uh, K uh, record attempt. So it's going to be a big weekend for ultra running. Uh, yes. <clears throat> we're going to see some real speed in action, huh? Yes. There's going to be, um, Hayden Hawk's going to be there. Jim, Camille Heron. I'm, I will be watching very attentively <laughs> this weekend. And yeah. And I don't know if you, and we're trying to get Callum on, 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 on the podcast as well too. But last weekend he just set the Canadian uh, 50k record. I yeah. think he was down in Houston. Uh, he's another mm-hmm. ultra runner. I think it was, what was it again? 251. Ouch. Which just hurts my soul to think of. <laughs> that pace yeah. and that speed and, <laughs> and he looked wonderful at the end he looked like he could have kept going for a bit so yeah but yeah no it's it's pretty cool what what people are accomplishing with speed when it comes to mm-hmm. these uh these longer distances too do you do do you do so take us through a bit of your like your workout weeks what are you doing what's your typical plan miles distances speed work 
So um, I'm a big believer in cross training. So it's just aside from running, which I'll get into in a second. I just want to hit on the fact that like, I really believe in cross training for longevity in our sport. So like right now I cross country ski about like 90 to hundred miles in a week. Like I do skate skiing right now and I have Royal Gorge cross country here in my backyard. I just like walk from my driveway, which is super convenient. Um, I also do a ton of cycling. Um, so I usually augment that into my training every single week, but in terms of running, um, I really like the hundred mile to like 130 miles in a week, um, timeframe. And I usually try to do, especially if I'm building in terms of vert, at least about 20,000 feet of vert as well. Um, and so hundred plus mile weeks coupled with about hundred miles of like cross training, whether it's cycling or cross country skiing, and then couple that with like a lot of strength training. I think that was uh, the biggest fallacy that, <laughs> that I experienced when I entered this sport is uh, when I was 20, 21, 22, and like I'm running 80 miles in a week, I thought to myself, like, why would you, why would anyone do leg strength? Like I'm already running so much, but um, that's what's really has elevated me in my game is focusing a lot on leg strength, a lot on core strength. And honestly, that's what's been able to help me maintain these crazy mileage weeks um, without getting injured. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously like it's essential too, if you're doing crazy mountain running too. So like when I did the Wonderland FKT in October last year, like there's no way that my body was able to main, like support myself um, without doing leg strength in particular. Well, yeah. And there, yeah, there's that saying, right. You can't shoot a cannon from a canoe. Um, you just can't. Mm -hmm. And so you can't put a Ferrari engine in a, in a yeah. canoe to sell. So, exactly. so you, know, you have to have, you have to have the structure to be able to maintain that, that, and so injuries, you, you haven't had any major injuries in the last number of years. Um, so I am one of those unfortunate people that is prone to ankle rolling. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like, even like the most, uh, sometimes the easiest trail you roll, you roll your ankle, which I think everyone has experienced. So I do roll my ankle quite often, but mm -hmm. nothing crazy serious. Um, I did have this last year, uh, I have like an upper hamstring bursitis, which uh, kind of took me out for the months of June and July. And it is like still lingering every once in a while, but um, hey, it didn't, it didn't hinder me too much at desert solstice. So if I can run desert solstice and get second there and qualify for the team, um, I think it's, I think it will be okay. Well, that's what year. I find with the, you know, like the, the track running and like I'm, I'm the former 24 hour treadmill world record holder. And so, you know, you're running on a flat directly, you're, you're running the same stride every single mm -hmm. time when you're running trails, you're able to, you're able to step up and down left, right, back down, up, down. Um, but on the track, your structure has to be good and solid. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, you're running well at Desert Solstice on a 400 meter track for 24 hours. That, that just tells me that your, your structure is good and reasonable enough. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and- oh, Go on. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, um, like while my structure probably was okay to support that, like no one's body is perfect. Like everyone no. has different leg lengths and maybe a little bit uneven. And I think that's why it's even more important to do strength is because mm -hmm. like our bodies will always fail us if we don't do strength training because our muscular 
integrity is like what's going to uphold us based on our imbalances. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've learned that um, through trial and error as well. <laughs> um, and something I make all of my athletes do, whether they're ultra runners or if they're like half marathoners, they all do like strength work in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Good advice. Hey, Pat Regan, he's, uh, he's got some mm-hmm. real strength, long strength and you can see the power that he brings to, to running. Um, there's a couple others who are really extraordinary in that way. They don't seem to fatigue at the level that uh, some of the, so skinnier guys tend to end up, uh, you know, the fatigue builds. But, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things that I found, and I know we've had some fun conversations with Dave and other people about nutrition, both not just leading up to a race, but, you know, like sort of it's the race, right? You know, there's nothing that's as predictable or unpredictable as what you can do in a race with food and nutrition. So you're new to the sport, has how's that gone for you? Have you dialed it in? Do you have good ideas? Are you learning? What's your sort of secret or you know thinking it through? Yeah, I think it's a, a constant evolution. Uh, I feel like every single year, like my strategy and my approach to nutrition has been changing. Um, so I used to be like a pulp like a real food eater in races. I remember, um, funny story, uh, my second 100-mile race was the Pinhoti 100 down in Alabama, which, by the way, super cool race, highly recommend it. Great community down there. And at mile 85, like I, like bit, someone ordered Domino's pizza <laughs> and I like put down three slices of pizza and like it was the best 15 miles to the finish line. Like, thank you, Domino's pizza. Um, but then in other races, like at the Tahoe 200, I could not put down any solid food. Like every time I tried to eat something, I wanted to throw up, I was gagging. And so I survived off of like a liquid diet, stroopwafels and spring energy gels. Um, and so I, I think in my journey of nutrition and education, I've kind of started out with whole foods and real foods and I'm transitioning more to like a liquid diet. And so now I use primarily spring energy gels and Martin fuel. Um, I know Martin is becoming a big uh, competitor and with uh, especially their sponsorships and partnerships with some of the best professional athletes in the world. And so I use Martin at Desert Solstice and um, it work, it works really well for me because it has a ton of calories in it. Um, and it essentially like kind of coagulates into a gel into your stomach. So it feels like you're eating something substantial. Um, and so I'm kind of leaning towards like a, like a more liquid diet in my racing and it's just way more efficient. Um, and it also uh, just eliminates potential risks with like GI issues down the road. Yeah. The year that, uh, the second First year that, that Walmsley finished Western States, he took in 30 gels and I was like, oh my God, like, I think five is my limit. But, but then again, you know, there's the stories of, you know, uh, the only thing I could eat was Doritos for a race because that's what appealed to me. And, you know, yeah. in the race, we always like, if we're coaches, right, we go, you're not out there to lose weight. This isn't a time to die. It's time to survive. You know, mm-hmm. we had Dave Smith, on uh on uh, we didn't dave our dave was talking to dave um from iron man dave scott from iron man about dieting 
during Zach's attempt at the uh, 100 mile record on the treadmill. And so Dave Proctor is saying, I like to eat pies. And Dave Scott didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. He always has something to say about everything. And in that moment, he had nothing to say. He because was, he's uh, like yeah. such a refined eater, like in this, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Great. But we realized that it is very much not just personal meaning, like my opinion. It's mm-hmm. personal meaning what works at that mm-hmm. moment. And I think that that's uh, important to learn. And you'll find as you go either longer or farther, like, Tahoe, I did it in 17. Um, yeah, towards whatever mile 150, I was really struggling to find food I could eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And at that point, it's an eating competition. And so you have to put yeah. down food. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I remember my, you know, we had another guest on the, on, on the podcast, the ones Pete Kostelnik, and with this run across America, he said, you know, it's more of an eating contest than it is a running contest. You're having mm-hmm. taken nine to 10,000 calories of food a day and, and taste fatigue is a real thing. And so, you know, having a, a, a broad approach where you have 12 different things that you, that you really want. And, and sometimes it's a mental thing. Like if you are eating, you know, a, a pizza and you think, hey, this is making such a big difference. Well, then it does. It, it autom- autom- automatically does. So, yeah. So yeah. Is there, has, there, has there ever been any food blowups with with you where you um, dropped a, a bean burrito halfway into a race and, and the bean burrito dropped you? Um, well, that's the thing I've learned through my experiences that most foods actually work for me. Like you would think right. like something super high fiber would be detrimental to you. But for the most part, like nothing has like made me blow up. Um I would say like the biggest positive experiences so far have been like candy. Like I'm a big candy eater, um, Stroopwafels. Um, but actually, uh, I, I bet Camille Heron would appreciate this, but I also learned that like, I really enjoy beer in racing. It's right. not something I normally drink when I'm like running quite fast. Um, because it, it is, it does take like some time to like drink and, whether, um, but like at the Tahoe 200, they had some of the aid stations that they had kegs. And so I had like some, I had some beers at aid stations and I, it was like fun and, and also like really great calorie intake. So, um, so beers was great, but yeah, I haven't like no blowups that I can think of. Great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The more you oh, get, fantastic. because ultimately that is the, the undoing, right. Of the best race ever is your GI system and how it reacts mm. to what's happening. Because we're under incredible stress, especially if you're out in front and you're trying to go along and, uh, and we've seen the results. And, and it, I don't think we'll ever be immune from that vengeance mm. that the food will take. Right, it's going well until it's not. Right. And then you see people do well, like desert solstice, it's all right there. And within a 400 meter track, you can look over and somebody's doing great. And then they're puking their, their brains out and then they're, they're done or they're walking and yeah. crying and calling their mother. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all there for you to see. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like, to the point too, like you just have to do a lot of trial and error. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't know that like a liquid diet could work for me unless I tried it. Um, and so, um, oh, and the other big thing too, is you should try things in training and not on race day, which I think 
seems logical, but a lot of people do it and it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) not a good strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that I like, I have a personal experience where it completely backfired, but you just don't want to go into a race with the anticipation that like, oh, this Martin's going to work perfectly for me without actually having tried it in like a 20 to 30 mile run before, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now in your friend group, you know, not Mm -hmm. just hanging out with the old guys, uh, are you sort of becoming an ambassador for longer distance running? Are you finding your friends more interested in longer distance running? Are they like, oh, Ryan, that's good. I'm glad you do that. We'll watch from the side and be your crew. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing to be an ambassador in the sport to get you know, younger people going? Yeah, I would say uh, I have had a lot of people reach out to me um, just through my influence on social media, because I do have a lot of influence of people that don't run and are not athletes. And a lot of people have started running. So a lot of people have just started trying to run, which is awesome. And then I also have a lot of friends and acquaintances and people that follow me that are now ultra running and they're signing up for the first 50K. I have a lot of athletes that um, have started being coached by me and they were like running 10 to 15 miles in a week. And they're now running 50 Ks like on the weekend. And it's just really cool to see um, the power that they've, they've received in themselves through, through our sport. Cause I know like, that's, that's like what I experience when I train. Like I love going out and training every day because I feel so invigorated and powerful um, by being able to execute some of these distances. And I think people are starting to pick up on this, like, wow, this is really empowering and it's influencing other parts of my life. And it's really cool to see like a lot of people just in general are starting to run more and running farther too. Yeah, that's so cool that you, you think you can influence others in a positive way. But, you know, earlier on in the conversation, Ryan, I want to jump back to something we talked about earlier. And that was, you know, really what intrigues you about 100 mile plus distances, um, you know, 24 hour, you know, Tahoe, Badwater, you know, whatever's, you know, on, you know, on your horizon in the future. And that was really, you know, it was more of a message about transcendence. It was something about, you know, a spiritual, you know, something happens out there and you keep hearing this over and over and over again. We really can't box it up into a scientific you know, this is what this happened. This is what happens. But it's almost like finding God for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I can't exactly tell you what that is. But all I know is I want to go there more often. And I want to be present in that moment, because it's a beautiful space. Um, it do have moments like that as well, too, with, you know, 80 miles into 100 mile race, 120 miles into 200 mile race, where, you know, you have these, 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 you, you go somewhere, in your mind, in your body, in your soul, and and you you, you kind of transcend. Do you do you, do you, do you do you feel like that as well too? Yeah, you definitely hit it on the nail there, Dave. Because that's exactly like a lot of the feelings I have when I run these hundred mile races. I mean, I also experience it in shorter distances too. But um, 
I, to answer that like more complete, I want to tell a story because in my first hundred mile race, which by the way, it's not on ultra signup. So I don't know why my first DNF and only DNF is not on there, but mm-hmm. I ran, I attempted my first hundred mile race in 2017 and I DNF at mile 75 because I was starting to get like really tired and it was raining. And then I'm on this mountain Ridge and I was like, Whoa, I'm about to like die. <laughs> I got to quit. I got a DNF and having run so many other hundred mile races and having got to that point and even like worse um, and having overcome that, like that is like a really cool pivotal point to experience where you feel like this is the end. You feel like you can't go any farther and then just push even farther. And you realize when you push farther, it actually gets better most of the time. And you realize like, Oh, I just pushed through this when my body was saying no and my mind was saying no. And now here I am 20 miles later and I'm better. Like that is a really cool pivotal experience to have um, where you realize your mind is way more capable um, than you give yourself credit to. And so I share that experience because it's, it, that was like a pivotal moment for me where I'm like realized that I love this sport because it allows you to get to that point, kind of like Courtney Dewalter. Like she talks about the pain cave all the time. Like it's cool to go into like the space that in all your day to day activities, you can't really get to, but ultra running gets you to that point. And then you push farther. Like, like that is a really cool, cool thing to experience in your mind and in your, in your body. Yeah, and I think that it's it's something that, you know, well, many might use the word meditation, you know, mm-hmm. so it's an active meditation, which is sort of a bit of a disconnect between the physical and, and the mental so that we can sort of get into a moment and sort of transcend, I think, to Dave's word. Though, yeah. Feeling. Yeah, I think there's like different feelings, like that's kind of like the trend, that's kind of like the transcending experience. Also, like when I run, I get into like this flow state where I'm just cruising on the trails and like the miles just tick by, like it's nothing. And you look down your watch and you say to yourself, wow, like 15 miles just went by. And I feel like I was kind of in this, like this floating experience and I like the hours just flew by. Right. Um, So there's a lot of different experiences that people can have out there, um, which I think there's something innate in all of us where, like we want humans like want to have experiences. We want to learn, we want to experience all these things. Um, and so I think ultra running is a good avenue to experience like a bunch of new things all at once. Uh, um, so I think that's something that's innate in all of us, which is probably why Dave, like you mentioned, like that's why like it, you keep coming back to this. Like you want to keep doing this. And yeah. after like you hear these stories of people like on ultra sign up the day after they finish their ultra marathon, because they want to do it again, because they want to have that experience again. Right. So um, it is kind of a weird, this weird uh, mental thing that goes on. Um, and yeah, it's hard to so. articulate. No, I, I couldn't agree more, Ryan. I think that there's, you know, I know a lot of people, I all get text messages and things and you know, people say, oh, you know, you know, how does it feel to win this race or to, you know, to you know, have this record or whatever it is. And I, I like to respond in a way of like, yeah, really, we're all the same. Every runner is out there doing the same thing. And that's, we're chasing meaningful experiences. And, you know, typically depletion and going to 
the end of your rope, um, you, you'll learn something. It's a very, very meaningful thing. In the moment, you want to sit down and, 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 and or lie down and, on a table, or you want you want to you want to be somewhere somewhere else. But but typically, at the end, you just have such a meaningful growth experience that uh, you you can't really find too much elsewhere in, in in life. And so, you know, it's 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 pretty cool um, that you know we have an opportunity just with effort to be able to go find all these different meaningful experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of sometimes think yeah. a little bit like this, which is uh, the brain makes a feeble attempt to tell us to stop. And then we keep going and it's like, oh, I guess I lost that argument. I guess I should help them to the finish line. Here's a shot of dopamine because you're going to keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and then you sort of want to battle. I, I, you know, I'm all about consistency and commitment and, you know, it's not whether the physical body can maintain. Yeah, there's injuries that can happen and all that. But, but for the most part, we're much stronger than we realize we are. And, mm-hmm. and we quit because, you know, either we sort of allow ourselves that or we let that monkey brain take over and that protect system turns on. It's like, I always think of it like, you know, when your mother says to you, you know, you shouldn't do that because it's dangerous and it really isn't. It's just a motherly instinct and the brain mm-hmm. does the same to us. Oh my gosh, you're at 10% of your total capacity. Maybe we should turn it off at 10% and you're like, I'm nowhere near it, you know? And so it's getting used to that signaling system and then working through it and accepting it, right? That common thing mm-hmm. that everyone says in any of these kinds of events is that, you know, don't matter how you feel now, it's going to change soon enough because if it's good or bad, it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, building up that, that rhythm and that muscle inside us, you know, will be part of what you are able to play on since you started at it earlier than uh, some of us. Yeah. I like to think of your brain and your mind as, I mean, as like a muscle and it takes, you have to coach it. You have to train it. Um, you have to put it kind of like a muscle. You have to break it down to build it back up. Um, same thing with our minds. Like you have to go do these hard workouts, these hard experiences, these hard races to break it down a bit and then realize that I'm getting stronger because of it. And so I, and having, <laughs> having experienced like a lot of different hard experiences, like now I, I change my perspective in some of these hard things and like make it like an adventure almost. So like, for example, last night I had to work like a really long day and my first opportunity to go do my workout was at 8 PM at night. And it was like 30 mile per hour gusts, wind chill, 15 degrees. And I'm just like, this is going to be fun. Like I'm going to run under the stars. I'm going to be under the moon and I'm just going to treat this as like a fun adventure. And I think, that's like, that's the result of like training my mind to be resolute through these hard experiences that I've already had. I was just saying, where do you live, Ryan? Then. Oh, um, so, uh, so I, I have been living in San Francisco, but I, at the beginning of the pandemic, moved up to North Lake Tahoe area. Um, so not exactly Tahoe, but just above Truckee, California at Donner Summit in a town called Soda Springs. Mm, nice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know, coming up with your own reality of, you know, writing your own story, you know, like back to what Joe and, and you, Ryan, were saying is that, you know, I, I, I really do believe that your senses are lying to you 
you know, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, your senses are always constructed around either survival or procreation. And that's it. Like it's, you know, it doesn't serve us in any other respect outside of that and survival, you know, do you really need to run hundred miles? Because there could be a saber-toothed tiger behind you tomorrow and you should really be rested because you're going to need to run away from him. Reality is that's not the case at all. And reality is too, is Ryan, you're not going to be starving next, tomorrow or the next day or the next day because we live in North America and we, we feed our populations. And so we have a very different reality. And I think it's about time that we could end up... Um, you know, questioning that. So, so, you know, that being said, Ryan, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we always, you know, kind of wrap things up with our show when we, we, where we can kind of discuss, you know, what you're chasing tomorrow is, Um, you know, what, what, what does the future hold for, for, for Ryan Montgomery? What's, what's next for you? You know, uh, I mean, I have a lot of things on my schedule, races, we talked about Western states and UTMB, but I think my chasing tomorrow is just like showing up, up every day and being consistent um, and just like enjoying the process. Like I'm in this sport because I love to run like at the core and I want to be able to be healthy every day so that I can run and train and just get fitter and fitter and fitter um, so that when I do show up at a starting line, that I can be the best possible. And I think that's all I want to accomplish this year is just showing up and be consistent. Well, that is beautiful. Uh, you know, you got two new fans, uh, <laughs> me and Dave, we'll be rooting you on. Uh, maybe we'll crew you one day if you need any help out there. On yeah, the- absolutely. Mm-hmm. I hope we uh, either meet at the world's 24 hours or at a different race. Like I hope that we can, hopefully meet in person soon, especially with uh, the pandemic, hopefully coming to an end this year. Close enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And just best of luck this year. Um, It's really a pleasure to, to get to meet you and to see this just incredibly positive attitude you bring the love for this sport. Um, You know, the the results aside, because those are fun, but you know, you seem to be really an ambassador for what we have going on and thanks for coming on the show and I think we're going to end up with you back on here someday to hear about some more remarkable activities you were part of. Yeah, Aww. soon after your win at Western States. There you go. <laughs> Goals. We'll see how this, how this year pans out. But yeah, thank okay. you, Joe. Thank you, Dave, for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks Take care. Ryan. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Hey, Dave, I don't know what you were doing when you were 26, but for sure, I wasn't running ultramarathons. I didn't even hear about them until I was, I think, doing Ironman races. And coming in third in your first 50-miler, who does that? Well, we're in for a treat over the coming years, that's for sure. Let's keep our eye on Ryan Montgomery, a name for all of us to remember. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout-out to our sponsor, Performance Tea. You can find them on www.performancetea.com. And they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 at checkout. And we would greatly appreciate it if you could follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would just be awesome. And as always, a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much.